Welcome to the Virgin Diabetic Podcast. My name is Denise Panzers, diabetes and holistic lifestyle coach. Type 2 diabetes is a disease that plagues over 115 million in the U.S. and hundreds of millions worldwide. I was one of those unlucky people to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and prescribed medication with four daily insulin shots. I was devastated. I realized, contrary to what everyone told me, I could reverse my diabetes, and my happy day was when I eliminated all medication and insulin and regained my health. Join me on this journey to learn and gain insight on reversing the effects of your diabetes. Today, I want us to talk about numbers that diabetics are supposed to toe the line and be within. And I don't have a problem with some of that. What I have a problem with is that People don't tend to understand what those numbers mean to them. And I can tell you, when I first got diagnosed, I was confused. Let me give you an example. So when I first got diagnosed, you know, I did learn that if your fasting glucose is between 70 and 99, that's normal. That's somebody who does not have diabetes. And then the official recommendations, if you have type 2 diabetes, are going to be your fasting should be between 80 and 130. Now, my first question when I read that information was, well, why would I want to keep it up to 130? Would I want to work on making that better if I got myself healthier? If you've been listening to me long enough, you know healthier does not mean more medication, right? So think about some of these things that we're told. And we don't really truly have an understanding of what these numbers truly mean to us. Let's think about two hours after meals. So our diabetes charts tell us that if you don't have diabetes, that your glucose should be less than 140 two hours after your meal. But if you have diabetes, it can be up to 180. Let me rephrase that. The official recommendation for someone with diabetes is less than 180. Why, if you have diabetes, do we want to see it that high? I was very confused by this. And even to this day, I'll tell you, after reversing my diabetes, and I stay on top of it all the time, it's not like it miraculously disappears. It's we have to learn what we need to do to keep ourselves healthy. Now let's look at the other number, and that's our A1C. So we're told someone that does not have diabetes should be less than 5.7%. And the official recommendation for someone with diabetes should be less than 7. Now, of course, I think hopefully we've all been learning along the way that if you have other health issues, your numbers that you're going to try to achieve might be slightly different than someone else's. Makes perfect sense. But we're given these numbers to manage, but what do they really mean to us? So let me tell you, I'm going to give you a little secret. When I first started reversing my diabetes, my fasting glucose was kind of all over the place. It was not one of those things that I was able to stabilize right away. And how do we normally get people to lower their fasting glucose? We're giving them medication. And when your fasting glucose isn't good enough, 
we're giving you more medication. And then we match that up to where your A1C is. Well, you know, your A1C isn't great. Maybe that's because we're managing just to our fasting glucose. There needs to be a correlation between what you're doing to achieve a good fasting glucose, post-meal glucose, and your overall average, your A1C. So when we talk about the A1C, we're talking about the percentage of sugar that is basically attached to the hemoglobin in our blood. And that's a, a protein. It brings oxygen throughout your body. So when we cover that with too much sugar, then it's not healthy for us. It becomes toxic to us. So when your A1C continues to increase, it goes up to six and seven and eight and nine. And I just spoke to someone at 13.5. That is suffocating our cells. We're not getting the oxygen to get through our body the way it should. Oxygen is healing. So our numbers need to mean something to us. So the higher your A1C the more sugar is attached in your blood. It's hanging out in your blood and it becomes toxic. So clearly more is not better. But let's get back to the fasting glucose for a minute. When I first started down this path, my fasting glucose would hang 120, 129, 133. Once in a while, we'd get up to 140. And I was so frustrated with that. But let me tell you something, I learned something through this process. And rather than trying to work on a number that does not dictate your overall glucose management, I realized that it seemed to me we were targeting something that we shouldn't be targeting. Our target number was too soon in the process to reverse diabetes. So I started changing that process. And really, this is what I'm working on with all of my clients. Your fasting glucose for many of you, of course, not all of you, but for many of you, your fasting glucose is going to be more like the caboose on a train. We have to fix the engine first. You know, we have to fix what's going on in the middle of the day first before we truly see lasting, improved fasting glucose. Does that make sense? I think we've been looking at this so differently. Our target has always been fasting. How many of you, raise your hand, I know you're only listening, but raise your hand and tell me if your doctors told you to check your fasting glucose, at least at a minimum. And then maybe you check it a second time somewhere throughout the day. Now, once you've done that, what are you doing with that information? Are you logging it somewhere? I know a lot of you are. You're tracking that information. What are you doing with it? You know what I hear? Oh, well, I bring it to my doctor. I bring the login. The doctor's office looks at it. Great. My next question, what are they talking about when they see those numbers? Are you having a conversation about specific numbers? Not generalities, but specific numbers. Because if you never have that conversation, let me tell you, it's a missed opportunity. You need to be able to learn what these numbers, these guidelines that are thrown at us, what are they and do they make perfect sense? So they did not make perfect sense to me. And so I tore through every bit of information that I could find. I tested myself. I was going crazy. I was a crazy girl. But you know what? It taught me something that It's okay to step 
out of the normal medical box to think differently and start paying attention because each and every one of you, you've got some common sense. You actually probably have thought of a few things, but you got misguided based on things that you've been told to do. Well, diabetes is not getting better in this country. It's terrible. And it's at the highest point of being terrible up to this point. So what we've been telling everyone to do apparently is wrong because we should see much more success than we have been. If you're not feeling successful, and let me tell you, I talk to people all the time. They're like, oh yeah, I'm well-managed. And how many medications are you taking for diabetes? So I'm taking two. Well, then you're not well-managed. There's something else going on and taking you down the wrong path than it should be. So let's go back to a couple of these numbers again. So for me, I realized my fasting glucose was not the right number for me to target if I wanted to start looking at reversing the effects of diabetes, working on reducing meds and insulin. I was on four shots a day. I had to step through it in a different order. Many of my clients are now learning the same technique. So as I mentioned earlier, we're telling someone with diabetes that you want to keep it two hours after a meal less than 180. Okay, well, the first question I need to uh, get answered is, why would you want to go to 180? Are you aware that at that point and above, this really takes a toll on our kidneys over time? So why would we want to tell someone that's already struggling with their health that it's okay to have it up to 180. We should want to work to stay away from those higher numbers, not get closer towards them. So I think the message that we've been giving diabetics all along is saying, oh, it's okay. We know your glucose is going to be higher. Well, what does that do to your, your overall health? It's bad for your heart, your kidneys, your liver. How about our brain function? It's bad for that. It's bad for our eyes. It's bad for our skin. So let's work towards different numbers. Now, we do have to pay attention to, in addition to what's happening after your meals, but what's happening before your meals? I want to know where your glucose spikes are. Now, they're all going to be, they may be all over the road. You know, you might start really well at maybe 110 and you end up at 175. Well, let's look at the charts. As a diabetic, if you're at 110, let's say it's breakfast, you're at 110, well, our official recommendations are Fasting should be 80 to 130. So you're falling in to that part of the guideline. So you're okay, according to the guideline. And according to the guideline, the official recommendations are you want to be less than 180. So we've got you clocked in at 175. So that's great. You're in the guideline, right? But you could be in the guideline and you could still be having a lot of issues. What would be an issue? Well, if you ask me, you jumped all the way up from halfway decent glucose, you jumped up 65 points. That's a lot of glucose spiking in two hours. That's a big jump in your glucose. So technically you're within the diabetes guidelines, but for your health, I don't care if you're following these numbers, this is not what is going to get you to 
a healthier state to reversing the effects of diabetes. In fact, if you keep with these high spikes, then you continue to make your insulin sensitivity worse over time. You're also forcing your pancreas to work harder because the foods you're choosing in most cases require a lot more insulin to move that glucose through your bloodstream. So again, you could be within the standard guidelines, but it doesn't mean it's healthy for you. Now, if somebody needs to make some drastic changes, we need to understand truly what are we working with when it comes to numbers. So numbers are great, but they're a guideline. You need to be able to learn what is a high glucose spike and what is not. And let me let you in on a little secret. There are many times for me, for my clients, we can actually lower our glucose in two hours depending on what you're doing. What did you have to eat? When did you eat? What, you know, there's a whole, you know, did you have any activity? There's a whole host of things that we can start looking at to say, I don't have to have these spikes. They could be very small or some of them can actually drop. So we tell people many times, hey, you want to improve your fasting? Let's go ahead and fast, right? Let's skip breakfast. How are you getting to your good glucose numbers by skipping breakfast when you have diabetes? Now, for a few of you, that might work well. For many of you, I'm going to take a real good educated guess and I'm going to say your glucose is probably hanging there for a while, higher than you really want it to be. And it's not coming down like it should. Your mistake could be skipping breakfast. Now, there's a whole host of mistakes clearly we can make. What works for one The same food doesn't work for everyone else, the same activity, what have you, how long you work out, what you're doing. Everything is going to be slightly different for every person. But the basic principles we need to look at, and I really want to share that when you have to have a goal, it needs to make sense. So if your goal is to reduce your fasting glucose, let's say you're hitting 130s, 140s, maybe sometimes it gets to 150 and you'd like to reduce that goal, that's great. We can do that. But to do that, we have to actually make changes to the rest of your day from breakfast on. It's the rest of your day that is going to dictate over time what your fasting glucose is going to be. It's the rest of the day and activity that's going to help your fasting glucose the rest of the day. Now, can you lower your glucose? Can you lower your A1C and start reducing medications to move closer to a natural path? You know, the answer for most or many of you will be absolutely yes. So I've had the worst case scenarios. And let me tell you, a woman in her 70s needs a walker on an oxygen tank on 200 units of insulin. Doctors are yelling at her to lose weight and they keep giving her more insulin and upping her medication dosages. And she's on two or three, you know, two medications plus all this insulin. At some point, your body cannot respond well to all of that. You'll never see a healthy A1C if we keep packing in more medication and insulin. And so what we started doing is 
the seesaw effect, right? If you want to lower your medication or insulin, then great, we can work on doing that. But you have to then have something else to balance it. So you can't then keep eating the same or having lack of exercise or poor sleeping habits. Um, So things have to change in your life to support the fact that you want to naturally reduce your medication or insulin. You want to lose weight. You want to do this naturally. So you have to make changes to balance the scales. So following numbers are a guideline, but you have to understand what those numbers are going to mean to you. So let me give you uh, another example. I've got a couple people here. Let's say we've got three, actually. I've got Jane, who has a fasting glucose of 85. That's great, right? She's in the normal range. Two hours after her breakfast, her glucose is 135. So she's within the range of non-diabetic. And then we have Bob. Bob has a fasting glucose of 105 and two hours of after breakfast, his glucose goes up to 155. So both of his readings are out of range, putting him into the diabetes camp. And then we have Mike. Mike has a fasting glucose of 137. Now, two hours after breakfast, his glucose is 157. Both of his readings also out of normal range. So who do you think is doing the better job? Jane? where she starts at 85 and goes to 140, Bob, who starts at 105 and goes to 155, or Mike, who starts at 137 and goes to 157, who's doing the better job? Or maybe I'll make it a little more simple. Who had the better breakfast? We'll clarify it that way. Now, we know in my example, we don't know who's taking medication, insulin, what have you. So we're just going to keep this really simple. Don't make this too difficult. But I'm going to tell you, Mike did a better job in managing the right breakfast. Now, Mike is the guy who had a fasting of 137. He's the highest. And his glucose went up to 157. So his fasting was higher than it should be, but his post-meal was within the range, keeping it under 180. To be honest, I'm completely ignoring that range. What I'm looking at is Mike is starting to make changes in his lifestyle. And he selected a breakfast that would only push his glucose up 20 points. Yep, 20 points. So Jane and Bob had to had something in common. After they had their breakfast, their glucose jumped up by 50 points. Now, currently, Jane is showing in normal non-diabetic range. But Jane's got family members that have diabetes So Jane is somebody that I would also say, we need to start working together. Your glucose jumping up 50 points is pushing you in the wrong direction. So on the surface, Jane seemed to be the best, but at the end of the day, I'm giving Mike all the credit. We already know he's a diabetic. We're working to reverse that, and he's learning to have small glucose spikes. So if we want to manage by numbers... Let's make sure we know what numbers we want to manage by. So following the parameters of a chart never tells you the whole story. I know I don't want you to sell yourself short with your health. 
you know, one chart, one test, one opinion could send you down a very misleading path. So you have to learn to properly interpret your results and make the difference between maintaining and reversing your diabetes. So numbers, it's a, as they say, it's a numbers game. But if you've been working toward the wrong number, you're probably going to continue to struggle and have erratic glucose and over time continue to increase. So all I'm saying is I think we've been taught the, to focus on the wrong number and we need to start changing that. So if you need to have any questions answered, you know that you can absolutely get a hold of me and get some more clarity to your numbers. Don't stay out there flailing and dealing with erratic glucose because you're doing what you've been told to do. It just might be time to step out of the medical box and start thinking about diabetes in a different way. I wish you the best of health. Thank you for joining me today. New episodes are released on the first and third Wednesday each month. For more information or a free consultation, visit reversemydiabetes.net. Follow me on Instagram, The Virgin Diabetic, and on Facebook, Reverse My Diabetes. I wish you the best of health.